airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, nothing from anyone. Not one thing from anyone. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. <laughs> Sherry B is over in Studio <laughs> CC. We're all still here. All right. <laughs> and that's all we're going to say because we got a lot. To, we got a lot to talk about today. And uh, looking back on yesterday, it's been the first segment lamenting the fact that we're all still here <laughs> defeats the purpose of being here. No, but every there day must... we're getting closer. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, okay. I mean, y- that's true, y- y- right? Y'all know how we are. We have to talk about it. Okay. Listen, um, hey, Sherry B, by the way, uh, good evening, good afternoon, whatever day part it is to all of our listeners. How are you? Um, let me say this. Will the Great said to me, uh, maybe three days ago now, I don't remember, could be four, we've been waiting a minute, said to me, don't turn into one of those scoffers, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> don't be like what Peter was talking about. You've been saying that this child, um, but every, Will the Great has this, he keeps saying this thing, and I think, I think you think it's comforting uh, you keep saying, well, we're closer today than we were yesterday. And it's starting to sound a little bit like the rapture, just a little <laughs> bit. Like it's, it's, I know you don't mean it, that, but it's starting to sound. And, and so then when I'm like, eh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I almost feel, I don't want to be one of, I don't want to be a scoffer. I mean, we yeah, know that this has to scoffer. happen just like with the rapture. We know this is ha- it has to happen. Um, anyway, look, folks, I don't know what to tell you. Let's just get into the information that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> oh boy we could we could be at this very moment moment like just you know reporting from somebody's hospital but we're not we're we're just where we've been for the past 17 and a half months just where we've been that's it that's where we are okay everybody has uh has reconciled that everybody okay now Uh, everybody's still good yeah yeah Yeah, i just want to make sure everyone else can move on so that then i can move on i just want to you know just want to make sure can you move everybody's on? okay i cannot but um i will <laughs> move on because we got a lot to talk about today this i think this ought to be a burn the ships part two will the great how do you feel about that yeah sounds good sounds good okay yesterday we were talking about um understanding how we engage the culture that when we show up and and it we really are standing against a culture that is hostile to god and as much as we want to pretend that um no, the culture is just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that actually is not the case. We are living in the midst of a culture that is hostile to God. And I've said for a very long time that the gospel has never existed in safety. There have been moments where they we've had safety externally, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, you're not threatened with losing your life or losing your livelihood or things like that. But then there's not been internal safety, right? Mm-hmm. Where you've got like heresy spreading and things like that. And, and so the church has always had to fight to protect the gospel. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so now in the United States of America, this has kind of been sort of a, um, we've kind of been stumbling about uh, almost kind of stunned 
that we've been hit, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, and so now we're, tr- we're trying to come to terms with what it is yeah. to live in a society yeah. that is hostile to the gospel. Yeah. All right. Hostile yeah. to the gospel because we've all thought, man, we live in a country where, you know, even if people are not believers, they mm-hmm. respect Christians. They respect the gospel. Yeah. We have long since turned the corner on that where that is not true. And I wonder, has that type of mindset been detrimental for us? Or is that just, you know, that's something I've been thinking about, like, you know, the the favor or the comforts that, you know, we may have experienced, mm-hmm. you know, when things begin to turn, is that a detriment for the mindset of the believer or is it just a readjustment? I guess that well, that you know, I think that's a I think that's a great question. And you raised that question earlier this morning and I have been thinking about it since you brought it up. I think that it's I I think and. I think it's good and bad. And yeah. and I'll tell you what I mean when I say that, because I, after Constantine, where the church enjoys this time of peace, where the church is, uh, comes from being at the bottom, mm-hmm. right, to being at the top, right. literally. I mean, that's, <laughs> right. that's what happens, where now people are just wanting to be Christians because it is the religion of the state, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something interesting that happens, because even in the midst of this safety, if you read your church history, um, even just a little bit in the midst of this safety, this is where the apologists really kind of come to the forefront, you know, because what is happening now, we're not trying to just live or survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you've got people who have a lot of time on their hands and they're like, is Jesus really God? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's like you're so safe now that you can play around with the doctrines Man. of the faith versus people dare not even gather. You understand what I'm saying? So, so in the midst of the safety, there is still an opportunity for us to do war and the Lord preserves the church, right? Because in the midst of this safety where the mindset might be, you can come, your idols can come and, and we all can just kind of like, you know, Mm -hmm. nominally call ourselves Christians. Okay. Um, But in the midst of all of this, there is still an opportunity for people who, know the truth of the gospel Mm -hmm. to contend for it. And that has to be what has been the case for the last 2000 years. That has to be what has been the case because we know that the gospel made its way to us intact. Right. Right. So even in the midst of perceived external safety, Mm -hmm. there was not internal safety. The gospel has never existed in safety. Right. You know what I mean? I, I constantly say this and, and just because animated and having kids, but it really does remind me of that Rapunzel scene where she is with Flynn Rider and they're running and all these different people are chasing him. And mm-hmm. the question, she's like, who's who, who are they? He's like, they don't like me. Who are they? They don't like me. Who are they? Let's just say nobody here likes me. <laughs> and I think the gospel has kind of <laughs> existed in that context, whether it is an external threat or an internal threat in the hands of, of the believer, we have always had to fight for it. Man, right? but the tricky part though, I think is that there has been a feeling, you know, Maybe in America, maybe during Constantine time, that that was a point where we were like, like you know, where it's kind of like, hey, you know, we don't have to uh, uh, fight as hard, or we can get uh-huh. kind of comfortable, you know, and and even during those times, things were just still happening where the the faith had to be contended for, right? But it seemed like it was uh, a big restful period where it was you weren't at a threat of persecution, like. 
you know, so, you, but you that's know what I'm for the that's for the that I would I put that in the category of external safety, mm-hmm. loosely speaking. But that's for the carrier of the gospel. The gospel itself has never existed in safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can you can have you can. OK, I, I'm going to mess up because I want to use a sports analogy here, <laughs> but I am so like it. inadequate. OK, just help me. Help me here. OK, so if you've if you've got the person who is carrying the gospel mm-hmm. who goes through a period where, um, you know, the people who are trying to take him down with the ball. Right. The defense to trying to tackle him. OK, yeah. they mm-hmm. have full access to him. Mm-hmm. He still has to run with the ball. Mm-hmm. But then you have this person maybe gets out of that area, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And then they move where all of a sudden they have blockers. Mm-hmm. So now they can run in safety, right? Mm-hmm. But that does not mean that there are not still people after that person with the ball, True. right? It just still looks different. Yeah. It, it, still trying to stop them. Mm-hmm. So we as Christians may experience periods of safety where we are not directly under attack, but the gospel, the ah, gospel itself is always under attack, yes. even when yes. there is like the perception of safety. You yes. think, oh, we're all OK. Yes. That's the moment where then you have internal heresies that arise yes. and you have people teaching false doctrine. Totally and so okay. the apologists have to arise and they have to say, no, we stand against Marcion. No, we stand against Arius. Mm-hmm. Like this is. So the gospel itself is not safe, even though you have Constantine who says, hey, listen, I was told in this name or in this symbol, Mm -hmm. the symbol of the cross conquer. And so um, we're all this. Mm -hmm. We're all Christians now. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? No more persecution of the of the Christians. And I'm I'm paraphrasing here. Constantine's edict of toleration is way more eloquent than what I've just said. (laughs) But from what is it? 315, 313, 315, somewhere around there. Then you have this time of peace for the church, mm-hmm. but it is not a time of peace for the gospel. Yes. Yes. You still have to contend for it. And so even in the United States of America, from our founding to have this this feeling of peace, right, to be this city on a hill, mm-hmm. you know, from from the beginning, from our founding to have people who who understand that, man, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the gospel existed in, in, right. in safety. That's true. Yep. Right. I mean, because remember what happened early on, man, and I, I should have had this in front of me. I didn't know we would go here. But remember, we had to in this country well, mm-hmm. before we were officially the United States of America. Mm-hmm. But the early colonists, remember, we had to disestablish the mm-hmm. church. We, we, mm-hmm. we had to we had to say, no, you can't make a particular denomination sort of like, you know, that state, if you will, right. religion. Right. Because what we did was kind of sink into, no, everyone has to go to church and everyone has to believe these tenets and everyone Mm -hmm. has to do this. So, again, that puts the gospel at risk because Mm -hmm. it is not something that can be mandated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can't say, well, you live in this colony and this is what we all believe here. Right. And so we're going to be checking to see if you're coming to church. But the early colonists did that. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So, again, that's a threat to the gospel because... It is it is supposed to be that the Holy Spirit draws man. Amen. Not that, you know, leaders of particular parts of the country draw right. men and say, if you're going to be a part, you have to do this. So I guess what I'm saying is that makes sense. Um, the gospel has never existed in safety. 
Right. right. That's that's my thought. Even when it seems that things are comfortable for us. Even when it seems that maybe the Christians are safe. Safe. The gospel itself is still under attack. And probably more when the Christians are that's safe. That's the greatest. That when I present church Man. history, well the great. Uh-huh. Let me just tell you what you said right there. Whenever I've presented church history, whenever I have looked at the Lord fulfilling his promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Mm-hmm. That is probably like the crux of what I try to get over to people. When it seems that we are most safe, the gospel is at greatest risk mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's when the internal heresies abound. Mm-hmm. You understand? Like yeah. when it's not see right now, even though this is very scary for us, this time that we're living in and we're witnessing our country shift right in front of our eyes. And people are like, man, you know, we don't know what's going on. And so we're, we're doing battle on all kinds of different fronts. But right now, the gospel is going to go through a period where, I, for lack of a better description, it is purified in a way that we have not known in the United States of America. Mm. Because it's not going to just be collectively popular to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not going to be... Um, it's, it's not going to be something where people are like, oh yeah, you're such a good person because mm-hmm. you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way mm-hmm. you are the person who is a threat to the United States of America because you are a Christian. That's where our country is headed. And in some instances we are already here. Yeah. Right. You are a threat to this country. We've got to get rid of you. You are the one that's stopping the progress. We need you out. So what does that do? That then gives genuine Christians an opportunity to hold the line Mm -hmm. because now you're not a part of something that is popular. Mm. You're not a part of something that is easy Mm -hmm. to be a part of. Mm -hmm. You are, in fact, a part of something because genuinely you have been ransomed by Jesus Christ. Which that will reveal the remnant or the the people who, yeah. That's... Here is what the Lord does in the last days. And this was the promise when when by the spirit of God, we are told that there would be a great falling away. Mm -hmm. What the Lord does in the last days is that he grows down his church. Mm. That's scary, right? He grows down his church, even with large revival and many people coming to the faith. He is still growing down his church because what we thought was like this big, huge body of believers in the United mm. States of America. Now we see, hey, they were dead, but still among us. It reminds me of Gideon. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So this is what we're in. We're in the midst of the Lord growing down his church. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. church in America is going to suffer so terribly and we laugh now but they will come after us and they will come after our children 
while we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets, the net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren, and it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society as has already happened. Anyone who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ, but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ, which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children, and for most of you, they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination and the university and indoctrination, and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little, the net is closing around, and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. A matter of weeks. But at the same time, know this, persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not believe, down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred, and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child molesters, as bigots, as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God and common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that he is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it. Apart from a great awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes and everything. He's calling us to come out of Babylon, to gather unobstructed by the fear and tyranny plaguing this country. He is grooming his army of priests and building his kingdom by purifying us in the all-consuming fire of his love. The alarm is being sounded and the banner of Christ is being lifted. The call is for Christians to join the resistance, defy tyrants, and kill giants. The kingdom of our risen Lord stands contra mundo. Contra mundo. Mm. Your suffering will not be noble. Your suffering will right. not be noble. And what is the point? Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was Contramundum uh, by Wrath and Grace, uh, Paul Washer. Featuring Paul Washer there. Paul Washer. Uh, my yeah. goodness. Uh, just such a sobering um, word of admonition coming from um, pastor and teacher, writer, mm -hmm. um, Paul Washer. 
uh, Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll make sure we try to get around to phone calls in the last segment here. So I'll move quickly through. Your suffering will not be noble. This is a part two of yesterday's discussion, Burn the Ships. Uh, when we show up in the culture to do battle on behalf of our risen Lord, we've got to have already made up in our minds that we're not turning back. It's not just a mm. song we sing on baptismal days. Right. Right. Like it's it's not just something that makes us feel good among, you know, present company where we all agree with each other. It's really easy. But the declaration that we're not turning back must also expand beyond the four walls of the church. Like yeah. when we are pressed on all sides, we've got to already have made up in our mind that we're not going to retreat. Now, this looks different because what we're not talking about is you step outside of the church and at least not yet, you're going to be rounded up and taken to the arena, right? Mm. You're going you're going to be rounded up, separated from your family, tortured until you denounce Christ. Um that's not what we're talking about right now, right? What we're talking about are these cultural occurrences, are mm. these um the cultural norms that rival the holiness of Christ and our distinction and our testimony as Christians. Are we going to accept those things? You have to remember that for Christians, it was not that they were forced to deny Christ. It was that they had to add Caesar to Christ. <laughs> remember that. Remember, it's not that. So for you as a Christian, you can say that you follow Christ, but you may not say that Christ is the only way to God. Mm. What kind of bigot, narrow-minded person are you to make such a claim? You understand? So to exist and to survive in a culture that has so declined and turned away from God, you've got to make less of him, mm. right? The Christians who lived before us suffered because they refused to do that. They refused to do that. Right. So in this part two of our discussion, um, I'm thinking about Smyrna and I'm thinking specifically about Polycarp. This is why I said we're kind of mixing illustrations here. Yesterday we were talking about Cortez and, and, and the taking of Mexico and burning mm -hmm. the ships and, and all of that's very temporal, but it, it, it does conjure up a, a particular word picture, mm -hmm. right? When mm -hmm. you show up to do battle and then you tell all your troops, burn the ships, by the way, <laughs> we're not going back. Right. <laughs> we're either going to win here or we're going to die here, but here is where we are. Right. And so for the Christian, the here for us is the gospel. It is mm. it is that we have been so captured by the Lord Jesus Christ that we're not going to turn back. We're not going to retreat when the culture turns up the heat. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the book of um, if you look at the book of the Revelation and this and this is also so fascinating. And will the great if I get lost in the weeds of church history come and do a search and rescue because right. you know i can sometimes i get and i and even when i'm talking about it like in, in our family i'll be like okay okay and i know that's a lot but here's what i want to say because i'm so fascinated by what god has done with the church to preserve the gospel i'm so fascinated by the fulfillment of prophecy that we see um just kind of seamlessly going from the scriptures to the history of the church like how the lord has preserved his word i mean it's just it is fascinating to look at. So sometimes I get caught in the weeds, but Will the Great will <laughs> tie a tie a rope around me and then just like, you know, come and find me if I go too far. But here we go. In the book of the Revelation, right? Uh chapter two, verses eight through eleven, where uh John uh 
receives this. Obviously, we, we know John has this, this vision, right? And he um, gets these letters or the Lord Jesus Christ tells John to write these words to these seven churches. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And to the church in Smyrna, to the church in Smyrna, this is what the Lord says to John that he is to write. Okay. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write uh, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, <clears throat> but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold. Now, it's amazing that I start to read the scriptures and all of a sudden, like my voice, I just like can't get it together. Right. I could take over the reading. You know? <clears throat> read. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I should have you Baptist take, over the, take uh, over the reading. <clears throat> Let Verse me know. 10. I got it. All right. We'll see if I can't do it this time <laughs> around here. Then we'll just move on. I got it. Um, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. One of the things that I think is so fascinating about this is that the Lord in his introduction to each one of these churches um, defines or describes himself in a way that directly deals with what he's about to point out in those churches. Right. So to the church in Smyrna, um, it's the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, mm. who died and came to life, which is interesting because he's about to warn them that you're going to suffer. <laughs> All right. But what is the encouragement? The encouragement is be faithful unto death, unto death. And I'm thinking about this in the context that we're living in now. This root word Smyrna here is bitterness. It's actually the word myrrh. Um, people will remember oil, mm -hmm. frankincense. And uh, what is it? No. What is it? Um, frankincense and myrrh. Um, yeah. What's the first one? It's not oil. It's gold, frankincense and myrrh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. you, you heard, you heard Sherry B? No. Okay. Did she say it? Yeah. Well, you get the gold star. There you go. <laughs> um, so it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So myrrh is an ointment that's associated with death, right? And so here you have this church, Smyrna. Its root word is myrrh, okay? So you have this church that is warned of immense persecution that will cost their life, hmm. all right? They are warned that this is what they will face, but their encouragement is to be faithful unto death. Sometimes you will hear people say, be faithful until death. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, be faithful unto death. And there's a big difference. It's not hold the line, hold the line until you die. It actually is you're holding the line will cost you your life. Mm, it's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Be faithful hmm. unto death, not mm -hmm. until death. Like mm -hmm. be faithful until then you, you know, you've passed from this life to the next. Nope. Jesus says, be faithful unto death, meaning that this will cause your demise. This will cause you to lose your life. Right. And so one of the things I was thinking about was Polycarp, who interestingly enough, Polycarp was discipled by the apostle John, who's received this vision here at the revelation, right? The last living apostle. Mm -hmm. So you've got this history where, 
Polycarp is discipled and trained by the apostle John and installed as the bishop of what? Smyrna. Mm. Okay. So Polycarp is the bishop of Smyrna. And there was a transition of power that happens in the history of the church. All right. Where um, there was like what was classified as like five good emperors in the history of the church. And the use of the word good is very subjective here. You have to be careful how you describe it. It's like persecution wasn't as bad. Right. right? Wasn't as bad. Okay. But then in the history of the church, um, there you have these wicked emperors Mm -hmm. who come to power and you have like this decade of, of horror. Mm. Right. And in the midst of all of this, the church at Smyrna is ravaged. Okay. And not only is Polycarp martyred, but there are other Christians who are gathered up and tortured and, and, and lose their lives for their profession of faith from Smyrna. Now, what is interesting about this is that we actually have an account of this happening from the church at Smyrna. Eusebius, who's known as like the father of ecclesiastical history, the father of church history, who also served in Constantine's mm-hmm. court, if you will, to, to record church history. He includes in in his account of church history an account from both Irenaeus. Okay. And I'll tell you who Irenaeus was. Irenaeus was the disciple or an disciple of or a disciple of uh, of Polycarp. Mm hmm. So the reason I'm saying that is because I want you to get a picture of like a baton passing down. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Eusebius takes from Irenaeus's writings to remind us of who Polycarp was. And Irenaeus reminds the church that Polycarp was trained and discipled by the apostle John. (laughs) Okay. Irenaeus then gives an account of who Polycarp was and how he lost his life. One of the things that Irenaeus includes in his account that Eusebius, church historian mm-hmm. in antiquity, uh, includes in his history of the church is a letter that is written from the church in Smyrna, giving full account of how Polycarp died. Wow. Wow. Guys, we have such a rich church history, right? <laughs> wow. Like I'm, we're, we're talking firsthand documents, if you right. will. Right. But here is something that is is interesting that comes from the church in Smyrna and Eusebius kind of does like a break in his historical account where he goes back and forth. He kind of toggles between this letter that came from the church in Smyrna and his own like kind of collection of information from history. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he records is there's a young man by the name of Germanicus and Germanicus is so afraid to lose his life. Mm -hmm. He's a young man. And um, he's he's been a part of one of these roundups, one of these raids, if you will. Right. Mm. And he finds himself in the arena. And um, before he is to lose his life, he is being encouraged. um, Hey, you're so young. Just just deny Christ. (laughs) You're so young. Just say Caesar is Lord. You're so young. Come on. Don't don't lose your life. And Germanicus makes the decision that he goads the animals toward himself. Like he calls them. It's like calling the animal to, to do whatever is going to be done quickly. So because he is not going to deny Christ, mm. but he is afraid. Mm-hmm. He is he is genuinely afraid to die. 
but he figures his best out is to get the animals on him quickly. Let hmm. this happen as quickly as it will happen so that the temptation to deny Christ wow. is over and <laughs> done with, right? Not every Christian responds that way. We'll pick up right here when we get back. Aaron the Addison, stay close. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. But there's a kind of love that God only knows. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm going to pick up the pace here just a little bit because mm-hmm. there's way more information I want to get out um, and make draw some parallels here with um, a current event story. We're talking about burning the ships. What does it look like for the Christian to say, we're not going to retreat. We're not going to retreat. We're going to agree with the Lord. The Lord has ransomed us. And what does that mean? That means that we are going to be with love and compassion standing against the culture. Mm -hmm. I don't see a conflict there. Like, I mean, there's a tension. Yeah, Yeah. there's a tension. There is a tension, Um, but that's not a conflict, right? Like I don't, I mean, I love those for whom Christ died. You understand what I'm saying? I love those. Like we, we should, we should love mankind. We should care about the eternities of people, but that does not mean that we agree with all that they want to celebrate. Right. Right. (laughs) They are dear to us, but not everything that is dear to them is dear to us. Right. 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 I mean, it's attention. But it's yeah. not a conflict. I'm, I'm not I'm not conflicted at all, at all. And one of the things that the point that we're trying to drive home today is that when you take this position in culture, it is not going to be respected by the culture. Mm. You have to understand that you're not you're not going to be celebrated as somebody who is noble. You're not. So we've got to get that out of our minds, because at one time to be a Christian in the United States of America. Right could win you elections, could get you job positions, right? It, it's, it's like a, it was a, it's a part of your resume. Mm. I was a part of this Christian club. I served in this and dun, dun, dun. I've gone on missions and I've done this work. And now if, if your missions are just sort of secular missions, then that's good. It's good to be good without God. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. You should do more of that. But don't be good in the name of Jesus Christ. Like, don't do good, I should say, in the name of Jesus Christ. That is expressly prohibited in today's rebellious culture. So we're talking about church history. This is Burn the Ships Part 2, mm-hmm. and we're taking a special look at Smyrna, the Church of Smyrna, um, where the Bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp, was martyred. And just an amazing account is given by a uh, church historian, Eusebius, and he brings into his account... Um, History from Irenaeus, who was discipled by Polycarp. So he's like, what is it? A second generation disciple of John? I don't yeah. know how you would say that, but Some John discipled Polycarp and Polycarp discipled Irenaeus. Yep. Um, Eusebius draws from Irenaeus's account of who Polycarp was. And also Eusebius draws from the church at Smyrna's letter that is written, given an account. And the church at Smyrna, man, this is amazing. The church at Smyrna not only gives an account of how Polycarp was martyred, but the church at Smyrna gives an account of how other Christians were martyred and also of the Christians who recanted. Mm. They were called the lapses, those mm. who lapsed in their faith, those who were so afraid to die 
that they were like, we want out. We, we're not we're we're not doing it. And this is really, really fascinating. So I want you to listen to this because this is um, this is taken from Eusebius's account of church history. Um, and, and this is the beginning of the letter that the church at Smyrna wrote um, to the church at Philomelium, the church at Philomelium to give an account of Polycarp's martyrdom and also other Christians at Smyrna during this time. Okay. Um, the church of God at Smyrna to the church of God at Philomelium and all the communities of the Holy Catholic church everywhere. When they write the Holy Catholic church, they are talking about the universal church. Mm-hmm. All right. I just want people to understand that may mercy, peace and love from God, the father and our Lord Jesus Christ be yours in abundance. We are writing brethren to tell you the story of those who have suffered martyrdom, especially blessed Polycarp, who as though he had set his seal on it by his martyrdom, brought the persecution to an end. One of the things that they include is this account that I alluded to before we went to the break with this young man, Germanicus. All right. And I want you to listen to this. Special mention is made in their letter about Germanicus, who by divine grace overcame his natural physical fear of death. The proconsul tried to dissuade him, stressing his youth and begging him as one still in the very prime of life to spare himself. Doesn't it sound very familiar? <laughs> and our, I, the, the, the pleas and the cries of our culture today, you don't have to be so serious about this right. stuff. You're young. Like, come on. You know, I mean, really, you know, that's not that's not hip. I probably shouldn't have said hip, but you know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? Yeah. So anyways, but without a moment's hesitation, he, Germanicus, drew the savage beast towards him, well nigh forcing and goading it on the more quickly to escape from their wicked, lawless life. After his glorious death, the whole crowd were, were so astounded by the heroism of God's beloved martyr and the courage of Christian people everywhere Listen to this, that a shout went up from all sides, away with the godless, fetch Polycarp. Mm. So after they see what Germanicus does, he goads this beast to him to take his life. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to entertain this. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but he will die a martyr. The crowd is like in awe of it, but they don't repent. <laughs> they're in awe of it, but they're like, Away with the godless. And they're talking about Germanicus. They're talking about Polycarp because then very, the very next thing they do is cry out, hey, and get, where's Polycarp? <laughs> because they see Polycarp as the quote unquote father of the, god, the godless in Smyrna. He's oh. the bishop of Smyrna. Yeah. So they see him as the one who is sort of leading the charge. Like, you know, if, if ever there's anything that happens or breaks out, it's the Christians who are to be blamed because they are godless. And why are they godless? Because they don't worship one of our many gods. Because they will not say Caesar is Lord. They were considered the atheists, <laughs> those having no God, because they don't have one of our gods. Wow. But listen to this. This is um, another part of what is included from the church at Smyrna. The uproar that followed these shouts was so tremendous that a man named Quintus, newly arrived from Fergia, on seeing the beasts and the threatened torments to follow broke down completely and ended by throwing away his salvation. Mm. Quintus seeing the threats of the beasts, hearing the shouts of the crowd broke down by throwing away his salvation. 
It is plain from the text of the letter I have quoted. This is Eusebius. It is plain from the text of the letter I have quoted that along with others, this man dashed toward the tribunal with too much haste and without due thought. But when seized, he gave everyone clear proof that it is fatal to risk such, such ventures in a reckless and thoughtless spirit. In other words, this man, without even considering that, man, your fear is for a moment, your discomfort is for a moment, was so overcome that he's like, no, 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 I want to live. Whatever, whatever you say, I want to live. Now, in the interest of time, I, I can't go on because I actually have not even scratched the surface of the actual account of Polycarp. This would be a part three if we're here tomorrow. And let's face it, none of us want to be here tomorrow. All right. <laughs> but this would be a part three. There is another story that is out because we were talking about Pastor Matt Chandler yesterday, how, you know, man, burning the ships means <laughs> we're not going to adopt your terminology. We're not going to give in to the cultural pressure that is facing us on all sides. Burning the ships. That is Pastor John MacArthur saying, oh, you're threatening me with prison. Hmm. I'm reminded of Paul and Silas. I'm reminded of a Philippian jailer who came to faith because yeah. <laughs> these men were locked up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So basically, Pastor John MacArthur saying, well, I'll do prison ministry. This is burning the ships, guys. <laughs> burning the ships are the two women in Arkansas, Brenda Lawson and Trudy Rickard, who have said, um, and this is last year's story, but now there's a lawsuit that's being brought against Kroger, who said, you know what? We don't want to wear your apron that forces us to promote LGBTQ inclusion. Mm -hmm. One lady said, I'll wear the apron if you allow me to cover up the heart that is bordered in the rainbow. <laughs> but Kroger refused. Kroger tried disciplining them, but these women said, no, this violates our deeply held religious conviction. We cannot promote what is reprehensible to God. And Kroger said, in so many words, well, you leave us no choice. You're terminated. So burning the ships is these women losing their jobs. Do you understand? What it's, it's, we are not going to say Caesar is Lord and what that looks like in 21st century America. We are not going to say Caesar is Lord. It's amazing that when Polycarp, just before Polycarp is going to lose his life in the pro council they, they yell out to Polycarp and they say, you need, you need to say away with the godless, meaning denounce Christ, denounce yourself, right? Turn your back on Christians. Polycarp actually does sort of like a play on this, which is really interesting. It's, it's, it's my kind of event, you know? <laughs> Polycarp raises his hands up to the crowd, like kind of like gesturing toward all of the crowd who they are bloodthirsty for him. And he says to them, away with the godless, he turns it on them. I'm not godless. You're godless. <laughs> and then there's a series of threats. And, and you may have heard me talk about this before, you know, where it's, it's like we have beasts. He's like, call him. Well, that's the second thing. The first thing he says is we have a fire. We'll burn you. And Polycarp is like, there is a fire that you know nothing about. <laughs> and I'm doing an awful job paraphrasing, but I'm Man. telling you, it's a powerful account of what God does in Smyrna, even after warning Smyrna that, man, you're going to go through this bitter time. You're going to go through this bitter. You're going to suffer. But please be faithful unto death. 
Now, there are some people who are saying that what these women are doing in Arkansas, that it is just, oh, my goodness, it's a heart. It's a heart with a, a rainbow. It's not even the LGBT rainbow. And it's, you know, what, what are you guys doing? But Kroger, remember, uh, I think it was back in June or July, we went through the corporate equality index. There's a reason we did that. Right. Why did we do that? Because we want to talk scores. want to talk numbers. want to talk about what these corporations are doing to be found in the good graces of the human rights campaign. What are they doing? They're trying to get their scores up. Right. In fact, we got a short clip here. I want to play this clip for you. This is Kroger in 2019 talking about how proud and how excited they are for what they are doing to advance the LGBT cause. And I want you to listen very carefully because they even make mention of what their corporate equality index score is. Listen. It's the first time that we've had a float in the Cincinnati Pride Parade, and it really does signal how inclusive Kroger is. And for Kroger to graduate to having a float is awesome. It's really great to see Kroger get directly involved with the LGBTQ community. We're passing out samples of the unicorn ice cream at the festival. The unicorn swirl, I think, just fits in perfectly for everything that we are trying to showcase. Recently, Kroger got 100 on the Human Rights Index score. If a company is scoring 100 on the Corporate Equality Index, this is a company who values diversity inclusion in all of its aspects. Kroger is a place where diversity is embraced. With the music blaring and the bubbles and the unicorns, uh, I think we're going to stand out, and uh, obviously they're going to remember us today. Pride is about you representing yourself and all your beauty to the world, and it's something I wish we could all do. 100. 100. Kroger has 100 on the Corporate Equality Index. 100. That's a perfect score. And Kroger is proud of that. Kroger's associates are proud of that. So they can't have workers there that's talking about we're not going to wear. Exactly. (laughs) Your rainbow logo. Come on, Will. So this is this is. But but again, this is what it looks like, practically speaking. To show up and burn the ships to say, no, we (laughs) we are following Christ. We're not turning back. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? And look, and I want to be very clear here. This is to alert Christians are going to have to make decisions, right? This is, look, for these women, it was not that they were saying, okay, we're just, you know, we're out. They start by saying, okay, can I just have a different apron? Right. I think one of the women even said, I'll pay for my apron. I'll pay for my own apron. You Mm -hmm. won't have to come out of pocket with this. This is, no one's trying to draw attention to themselves. You understand what I'm saying? Like, no one's trying to be, as we call it today, extra. You know, like, oh, I know my rights. No one's, no one's doing that. What Christians are trying to do is lead quiet and peaceable lives. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to steady on for the glory of God, right? We're trying to make much of Christ in our personal lives, but understanding that we do live in a country where we get to exercise our faith. We get to exercise our religion, which means that it's not confined to the four walls underneath the steeple. But at the same time, we're not trying to provoke people. We're not trying to put undue burdens on people. But for the Christian, burning the ships means that, hey, but... (laughs) You know, if you if you force my hand, if you tell me to celebrate something. Now, it's one thing for, you know, somebody to go in the store and purchase groceries. Look, I, un- I understand this because as Christians, man, we're shuffling around a lot. OK, <laughs> we're guys, we are shuffling around a lot. We're man. trying to send messages, you know, but 
<laughs> but if someone is telling you now to endorse, to celebrate, to, to wear that on your chest as a badge of honor, man, this is where you're in the crucible. Yeah. This is where it's the hottest. And, and you know, it's because the ships are on fire. <laughs> we're, not, we're not getting back on. All right, we're out of time for today. I, I really hope that this is an encouragement. It's frightening, but it's encouraging times that we're living in. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.